0: This is Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Brought to you by America's beverage companies. I'm Dan Permac. On today's show, the other hearing in the House today and WeWork's newest problem. But first, dreams deferred. Last Tuesday, the Supreme Court heard arguments on President Trump's decision to unilaterally end DACA, the program that allows some undocumented immigrants to remain in the U.S. and become eligible for work, so long as they were brought here as minors. Here's the quick history. DACA was created by President Obama via an executive order in 2012. He tried to expand it two years later, but was blocked by the Supreme Court. And just to be clear, the court actually split 4-4 on that. Antonin Scalia had just died, but that result kept in place an injunction placed on Obama's plans by a lower court. Anyway, fast forward to President Trump, and in 2017, he moved to end the program entirely. At the time, Trump claimed it wasn't because he didn't like DACA, it was because he didn't think Obama had the legal right to order it. The official idea, or the word from the administration, was that its move would force Congress to come up with a solution for the so-called dreamers, but Trump didn't seem interested in any solution that didn't also involve funding for his border wall. So instead, we got an enormous amount of fear and anxiety for hundreds of thousands of dreamers, and then this Supreme Court case. And to date, the administration has not laid out a contingency plan in case it wins. Why it matters is that this case isn't just about immigration policy or principles. It's about what happens to our friends and neighbors and employees and colleagues, college students, doctors, soldiers, and more. So in 15 seconds, we'll dig in
1: with Axios reporter, Steph Kite, who was inside the Supreme Court last week. But first, this. ProRata is presented by America's Beverage Companies. Our plastic bottles are 100% recyclable, including the caps. We're working together to reduce our industry's plastic footprint with a new initiative called Every Bottle Back. Because the more bottles we remake, the less new plastic we use. Learn more at EveryBottleBack.org.
0: We're joined now by Axios reporter Steph Kite, who was inside the Supreme Court. So, Steph, before we get into the substance of DACA and the arguments, Very few Americans will ever personally witness a case argued in front of those justices. So when you got home afterwards, you told friends or family what about the experience?
2: I mean, it was definitely surreal getting to be there in person. And for this particular case, it was especially crowded. Not only were there a lot of reporters inside um, crammed into the kind of the side section where the press sit in the courtroom, but also outside there were hundreds of protesters, which I think um, kind of added to a really unique experience to walk outside the courtroom after this very smart and legalese debate over the fate of these immigrants, then to walk outside and see all of these protesters signs and chanting, home is here, was kind of a, a surreal experience.
0: So is what you're saying, so the protests outside, did that kind of mirror, you know, when you look at public opinion polls on DACA, the vast, vast majority on a bipartisan basis support a continuation of the program in some form. Is that also the general sentiment of the folks outside the court that day?
2: Absolutely. The vast majority of the people outside were, were protesting, saying that DACA recipients should be able to stay in the U.S. And as you pointed out, DACA is an incredibly popular program, both among Democrats and Republicans, actually. Actually, there's broad support for the program and to allow these immigrants who were brought to the U.S. as kids um, to stay in the U.S. For for many of them, they've known no other home other than the U.S. Um, And I think it's an interesting contrast because when you actually dig into what this case is all about, it's not actually about whether the program is a good idea or not. It's much more nuanced and much more technical than that.
0: So talk to me about that. Does it basically boil down to whether or not Obama had the right to do it in the first place? Without Congress?
2: It could. And they're not even going that far yet. What the challengers are arguing is that the way that Trump ended DACA did not follow legal requirements. So even they will admit that, yes, just as Obama used an executive action to create the DACA program, President Trump should be able to use executive action to end the program, too. But what they're saying is that the way that they did it and by claiming that the program was illegal, um, that 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 allows the courts to intervene because we haven't determined whether or not the program. program was was constitutional or unconstitutional.
0: So does that mean it's possible this thing gets kicked back to the administration? In other words, the Supreme Court agrees with the challengers and said, you might have the right to do it, but you don't have the right to do it this way, which then puts the ball back in Trump's court?
2: Exactly. That's one of the options that we could see. We could see the court say, yeah, you didn't do this right. You need to you know, try again to end DACA. And so they'll send it back to the Trump administration and they would have the option of trying again or letting it go. They could also say that Just as Obama created DACA, Trump can end it and the courts actually can't weigh in. So this is another big part of the argument is whether or not federal courts are actually allowed to review a prosecutorial discretion decision, something like what DACA was created On. And then, of course, there is always the chance, and this is not likely, but there is the chance that the Supreme Court would actually end up looking at whether DACA is legal or illegal.
0: You know, it's always dangerous, uh, including by folks who have, you know, been sitting in the Supreme Court for, you know, decades to divine how justices are going to rule based on their questions. But you were there. Is it, from your perspective watching it, did it feel as simple as a a 5 4 kind of partisan split? Or, Or tell me kind of what you got coming from the bench.
2: That was certainly the sense that I was getting that the conservative justices didn't seem to see much point in just sending back this decision to the administration and having them do it again. Chief Justice Roberts actually asked a question along those lines saying, OK, so how much more does the government actually have to add in order to end this the right way? Are they just going to add a few words and do this all over again? And if so, what's the point of us ending this? And, and that was the question to me that really stood out to that is a big part of this. Can we just send this back? Is that just playing ping pong with the agencies and making them add a few words? And is that really worth a decision here?
0: Which raises this question, you know, if the Supreme Court rules that indeed that Trump administration was right, it it has the right to end it unilaterally and and, and all is good. What happens then to these hundreds of thousands of people? Because I said at the top, the administration hasn't yet rolled out a contingency plan A, if all of these people aren't allowed to be here, what happens?
2: That's a really good question and and some of this would de- depend on what the Trump administration does once this is through the courts. And of course, uh, it's because of court decisions before this, people who have been in the DACA program have been able to renew their protections. So for many of them, it won't be the Supreme Court rules and right then everyone can be deported. It's not going to be as quickly as that. So there will be a little bit of a phase out. And then it'll be interesting to see whether the administration does something to, to provide more time to these people, whether they do something to allow them to stay, and also whether this puts pressure on Congress to actually get something into law that would provide permanent protections for these immigrants.
0: It would also seem in my right to say that this could, again, if the court rules in favor of the administration, not in favor of the challengers, this could become a major 2020 issue, right? Because the court's expected to rule in June, just a few months before the election. Given the, as, as we discussed earlier, the vast popularity of this, this could become a pretty good cudgel for whoever the Democratic nominee is.
2: Absolutely. And I think that's something that everyone is really watching. I think the timing will be significant. And it'll also potentially make it harder to get any laws passed in Congress. Of course, it hasn't exactly been easy at any point when it comes to immigration policy. But if we're also looking at an election, Democrats won't want to give Trump a win and Republicans will be very hesitant to sign off on something that they would say would be amnesty to just allow people to stay in the US or to seek citizenship. So I think it could become a really important part of the political conversation going into 2020.
1: Axios reporter Steph Kite, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. My final two right after this. ProRata is presented by America's Beverage Companies. Not all plastic is the same. Our 100% recyclable plastic bottles and caps are made to be remade. And we want every bottle back so that our bottles can become new bottles and not end up in oceans, rivers, and beaches. That's why we're working together to reduce our industry's plastic footprint with a new initiative called Every Bottle Back. Because the more bottles we remake, the less new plastic we use. Learn more at everybottleback.org.
0: Now it's time for my final two, and first up is Capitol Hill, where most attention today will be aimed at the impeachment hearings, but a few rooms away, there will be another session that could impact the 2020 presidential elections. This one is on the role of private equity in America's economy and will include testimony from industry lobbyists, academic watchers, and a former Toys R Us employee turned labor organizer. This comes just 24 hours after two new fresh attacks on private equity by Elizabeth Warren and reflects how left-leaning Democrats seem determined to show voters how private equity has permeated their lives in ways little and small and that it's profited unfairly from their work and their pocketbooks. Today's hearing and any viral clips that come of it are part of that effort, and if successful, 2020 could become even more problematic for private equity than was the 2012 campaign, when one of its own, Mitt Romney, was the Republican nominee. And finally, the New York State Attorney General is reportedly investigating WeWork, and in particular if its founder and former CEO Adam Neumann engaged in self-dealing. Most of this seems to relate to the fact that Neumann owned, or actually partially owned, a few of the buildings that lease space to WeWork, something has been known for a long time, but gained new notoriety during the company's ill-fated IPO process. Newman and WeWork are likely to argue that the arrangement was designed to help WeWork get into prime New York City locations during the company's early days, when few landlords would do business with them. But New York officials will seek to learn if that's a legitimate argument or revisionist history written to disguise inherent conflicts of interest. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Jesse Lee, have a great National Play Monopoly Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another ProRata podcast.